Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. And we had a situation, I joked about this yesterday, and like clockwork, the second we get off the podcast, the podcast is posted. Five minutes later, I get a fantasy football alert from Sleeper, which I loved getting, by the way. I loved seeing, like, Sleepers back up, and, and that means we're getting closer to, like, fantasy season. And, and I get the alert, and it says, Derrick Henry and the Titans have agreed to a four-year deal. And I said, of course they did. Of course they did. Of course they did this right after the podcast ended. So, Jamie, we like Derrick Henry. Big fantasy implications, obviously, coming off a massive year last year. Didn't know what was going to happen because they have obviously signed Tannehill. They've been kind of t- walking around what was going to happen with Derrick Henry, but they lock him up here. So do you like this deal for, for the Titans? I do once I saw the way it was structured. Uh, I think the initial reports of a four-year deal, you go, okay, you know, he's entering the latter part of the prime for running backs. He's going to have a lot of carries on his body, a lot of hard carries. And even though he's a big guy, that's just the style that he runs and they are going to run him into the ground. But then we got some more details about it. And essentially, the way it works out, if just to make it as simple as possible, it's, it's a two-year, it's a, you know, it's a two-year, $25.5 million deal, essentially, uh, the way it works because of the guaranteed money. They can get out of this deal, uh, you know, after 2021 with only like a $6 million dead cap where they can renegotiate at that point and all this other stuff that we've talked about a lot on our show yesterday. We went over a few of the other big contracts that were signed. So in that case, I'm perfectly okay with it. That's a perfectly reasonable if, if salary, if he gets hurt, if he starts to deteriorate, if, if he starts to go downhill, really you can go no harm, no foul after two, two seasons from now. I mean, $6 million dead cap is not ideal, but it's not the worst case scenario. And maybe you can renegotiate if you still want him to be part of your team. So they basically gave themselves a, a two-year deal with him now and then essentially a two-year $25 million option at the end of this, if they want to extend this for another two years and go for the full four years that this deal is, is for. So to me, it makes a lot of sense given the way they structured their team. Uh, I know it's not quite apples to apples, but when you build your team around a running back like they did, like the Cowboys did with Zeke way back when, you've kind of boxed yourself into a corner of your offense is not malleable enough to be like, well, now we're, not, now we're just not going to pay you. You don't have that other option. You, you've put yourself in, the, in this corner. And get, look, it got you the AFC Championship game last year. And there are a lot of franchises that would love that opportunity to be there last year, would love that opportunity to be there again. So it makes perfect sense to me. Uh, I like it now that they get to see these details. And I think these, this show and our show from yesterday really highlights the, that old phrase, the devil's in the details. Of you, you see the numbers, you see these year things, but you always have to go back and look at what the exact structure is and where teams build themselves out. That is going to be the key because these, are, these deals are not based. These are not baseball deals. The Angels are going to be paying Albert Pujols forever because of that bad <laughs> deal that they signed for him because they don't have a choice. That is guaranteed. Um, in the NFL, there's all of these outs. There are all these different things. And if you look at this as a two-year deal with another two-year option coming, I think that's a fairly low-risk deal given the amount of money that they spend. I love it. I, Jamie hit the nail on the head. It's a two-year deal. Like, I'm so tired of the way this stuff's reported. Four years, $50 million. No, it's not. 
No, it's, it's not a four-year 50. That gives the team the option for it to be, but they're not going to do that. He basically was going to get franchised. Now he's getting franchised twice. He's getting guaranteed money for two years. He's set on $25.5 million. He's getting every penny of that over the next two years. And then they can do whatever they need to do with. They gave themselves the option to overpay him three years from now. But so what? That's great. I mean, they, they, it allows their window to be open. And really, at $12.25 million for a two-down running back, I mean, it's right there with Eckler's deal. Uh, it's a little bit more than Melvin Gordon. It's less than Zeke. It's less than a lot less than McCaffrey. Yeah. It's fine. Like, if they could afford it, it's not that big. I, I like it. It keeps their team intact, and it keeps their window open to do what they want to do. If they were going to franchise him, he was going to play one-year deal, he'd be pissed. He'd leave next year. Now you got him for two years and you think you, okay, next year you got to look on his replacement a year from now. What's really interesting here to me is how does this affect Alvin Cook? Who's a three down running back, but can't stay healthy. doesn't have as many total touches as Derrick Henry, but he's a three down guy. Is he looking for more than that? Because they got to be really careful with Melvin Gordon and now Derrick Henry taking, you know, $12 million. It's a lot, but don't be going and trying to get 14 or 15 with those other guys. When you've proven you have the ability to do that, but you can't stay healthy. You don't have the longevity or the consistency to do that. So I think this is probably setting the bar of where Dalvin Cook's going to be. Yeah, look, if Dalvin Cook was healthy, he would exceed this. The concern is going to be, and I, even if the cap was, all this other cap stuff wasn't happening because of COVID, the concern is you give him the big contract and by week four he's hurt again. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy that's missed – almost half of his NFL time. I mean, he missed 12 games his rookie year, missed eight games the year before, missed two games last year. I mean, that's 22 missed games in three seasons. I mean, that, at, at that point, you're, you're paying a running back, obviously, that kind of price for his availability as much as anything else at that point. I mean, if you have, I mean, the whole argument, the whole devaluing of the running back position argument is that you can find other players for cheaper to give you similar production. Well, if you're not even on the field, <laughs> you can find plenty of players that can give you production at, at that level. So uh, the cook with things always going to be interesting because we know what his talent level can be. We saw last year, and I think there's even room to grow from a talent perspective, but can you trust his health? And at least in, in Derek Henry's case, that, that has been one thing that has not been an issue for him in his time in the NFL. I imagine it will be at some point because I don't care how big you are. We've talked about this with Cam Newton. At some point when you take so many hits over so many years, it's going to catch up to you. Now, whether that catches up to him in two years or four years, we don't know, but it's going to happen eventually. It's a little bit tough to do that with a player that is actively dealing with those issues every year he's been on your team. Yeah, the best ability is availability, and that's been a problem for Dalvin Cook for a long time. So I can't imagine uh, if the agent knows what he's doing and the, and the team, you're going to try and walk in there and, and negotiate around certain things because that's multiple injuries and isn't on the same playing field. Not t- talent out of the discussion, but you can't – can't deem that when you can't stay healthy. And it's not one year of it. It's, it's consistently not being able to stay healthy. But that's why they're doing this. That is why I think in one of the rare cases where a lot of times the holdouts, I feel like I'm usually 50-50 on, depending on the player. I get why – now, he shouldn't actually hold out, but I get why you threaten it right now. Because you know you have a long injury history. You know you've been hurt a lot. It's going to be tough for you to top both your health and your production from last year this is the, the highest point you have to negotiate because if you come into camp and you get hurt again right away, you're going to get a lot less money, even if you come back and play 10 really good games. So I get why he's doing it, but I also know that the team is going to be like, uh, you know, look at how, many time, look how much time you missed. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, 
we, we, we like a guy that's sitting behind you with a depth chart too. Maybe not as much as you, but you know, we're not going to pay you at 11 less million, 13, 14 a year. million dollars a year. Yeah. I mean, so I, I get, that's when I get why he did that. And this was the opportunity for him to do that. Now, if he, this is the same argument that I'm mean, not the same, but it's a similar argument that's going on with Dak on the let's take the money out of the equation for a second and just talk about what deals were offered and not offered just purely from a value standpoint. Dalvin Cook goes out there and has 16 healthy games and repeats what he did last year. You're going to be like, damn, maybe we should have given him a deal sooner. Now, Dak goes out there and leads the league in passing and throws 35 touchdowns. He's going to cost more than he did this offseason. But Not a whole the reality is, is there's a lot less chance yeah. that Cook is going to be able to do that. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it, like, it, it's, it's, it's a tough scenario for him. Like, I get why he's asking for it. I get why he's saying this is my best opportunity. But I understand why the Minnesota's cautious too. A lot of this is old CBA, which is now current CBA, but not two C- three CBAs ago where those guys that were slotted Sam Bradford, Cam Newton, Matt Stafford, those first, they were set. Life is okay. The guaranteed money in those contracts was insane. It's drastically different now for rookies on these rookie deals. Not saying he shouldn't be okay, but he would be real happy to be Derrick Henry right now getting 25 point, 20, you know, point five. You should be set. Now Derrick Henry's like, I play a couple more years. If I have an injury, I'm good. Taking care of my family, my people, me, I'm, I'm good. That, you know, Dalvin Cook's looking for that kind of deal, but you got to be smart here. That's why I love – I go back to David Johnson's deal. It was great for David at the time as a third-round pick. Secured his family for a long time. It was great for the Cardinals. They got out of it. They might have taken a little hit because they didn't think it was going to go down that fast, that quick. It was only a three-year deal in the prime of his career and in year three. That's why I, some of these get done early, but when these guys want to hold out, it just gets – you can hurt yourself a lot more than you can help yourself. Uh, as has been displayed by multiple running backs who have held out. Uh, maybe, maybe make a phone call to Melvin Gordon or Le'Veon Bell and some of the things that have happened. So it's, it's not always – it makes sense, the timing, as we've discussed, um, and the talents there, but the, the longevity is not. Uh, okay, we're going to talk about another running back before we get into our top 10. And just briefly, because I had to laugh over this, right? So I'm on Twitter and I have no context as to why this is popping up. So I'm just reading Ezekiel Elliott's tweets, right? So I get the first tweet I see is women lie, men lie, the stats don't go do your homework, right? Of course, that makes me laugh. I'm, I'm now I'm intrigued. I'm going, what in the hell? Because women is- don't lie. Yeah, first and foremost, women never lie. Okay, let's just make that very clear. Okay, very much the superior gender, so we do not lie. Um, so then I'm, I'm like, okay, scrolling through the tweets here. Check the stats. Since I entered this league, I have dominated year in, year out. Put some respect on my name. So then I'm thinking to myself, I'm going, who disrespects Zeke? Because all I ever see about Ezekiel Elliott is that he's a top three running back. He's a top fantasy running back. He's a top paid running back, gets a ton of attention in Dallas. And I'm going, I don't really understand what's going on here. So then he continues on. I almost 1,800 scrimmage yards and 14 touchdowns with no training camp. And now I'm not the same back. So listen, you can go read the rest of his tweets. But Jamie, this is all because of a Madden rating. Like this is like, I, I get it's it. One we're of all, two things. We're all it's bored. One of two things. But come on, Zeke. It's it's the Madden rating, and then I think there's also this. We're an anonymous coach, anonymous scout source season a little bit. I know it's a little bit out of season. Uh, so between so Zeke was initially a, a little bit perturbed because he was only given a 92 overall as the fourth best running back in Madden, 
And then it came out later on that an anonymous offensive coach, let's, let's be re- really cryptic here, uh, had him as the 11th best running back in the NFL. So between those two things, which let's quite frankly mean absolutely nothing, um, he's upset. So I don't know. Like it, it, to me, of a, a rating of a Madden video game, which has been trash for eight years now, uh, and I think it's we. If you've seen what's been trending on Twitter around this this new the newest game, you understand what I'm talking about. And an anonymous offensive coach, which okay, how, how many offensive coaches are there in the NFL? Hundreds. So some one random person that won't put their name on it said that you're the 11th best running back. I mean, yeah. Who played at Michigan and watched Ezekiel Elliott's hundred <sighs> touchdowns on him or something like at a certain point, like, come on. I mean, I'm all for bulletin board material, but like, I don't know if this, I think this, this is a kind of a reach for it. This is estimation. his la- his, his first one on here. There are a lot of great backs in this league, but I don't understand why the media has to talk down on my game just to uplift other backs. We are talented football players and can ball. That's the one that made me, I was like, what media members are talking down to Ezekiel Elliott? I was just like, where is this coming from? I have never seen any media members say that Ezekiel Elliott isn't a super talented back. Every fantasy list has him in like in a top list. Like I'm going, where is this? where are these people, right? Like, who are these people? Send them to me. I would love to talk to them. And whatever offensive coach thinks he's the 11th best back, we should check your eyes because no, that's not correct. Um, But Jake, does this stuff work like in a lot? Like, does this stuff work for the players? Like, I know Tom Brady does this to a degree. We've always joked about it. You know, the NBC, that Sunday night football where he's talking to Michelle Tafoya and he's like, nobody believed in us and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there going, Tom, everybody believes in you. Like, <laughs> like nobody doesn't believe in you, but maybe it works. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I mean, it's the Michael Jordan last dance effect, right? This is, it works for Tom Brady. It worked for Michael Jordan if Ezekiel Elliott with a team that could be really good needs extra motivation. I mean, come on. Like to me, okay. Christian McCaffrey's got all the freaking hype because he was the man last year. Zeke was kind of under the radar. Saquon got hurt. Saquon's number was 91 or something on these stupid Madden ratings. If you guys are that upset about a video game rating, like I don't see JJ Watt or anybody going, TJ Watt was like six spots below JJ Watt. JJ Watt's done. He's been done. Yeah. And he was the second best pass rusher. Plus they had tackles with defensive ends with outside linebackers. Like none of it makes any damn sense. Yeah. So if you need to make up crap to get motivated at this point, come on, man. Like, and somebody said you're the 11th best. Who who gives a shit that some offensive coach in air quotes said you're the 11th best running back? Go prove it. I have to talk about it. You have to tweet it. This this just proves to me that we really just need to get to the training camp. Like, please put like I just we just need to get to some level of like there is something to actually talk about that's real and tangible and happening because mother of God, the players are bored, the media's bored, everyone's bored and talking about a bunch of crap that doesn't matter. And it's just and I just laugh because it's always like the media right? It's the media as if it's like, as if we all all sit together and sing Kumbaya and have the same ideas and like hate on the same players. And like, I'm like, what media? Like I've, I haven't seen a single media member say anything, but you're great. See, you know what fixes it? Go run for 150 yards, three touchdowns and jump in the Salvation Army trash can three times. 
Yeah. I, look, if, if Fletcher Cox came out on a Monday before they played the Cowboys and said, I think Ezekiel Elliott's not one of the 10 best running backs in football, absolutely. I could see you put that on a bulletin board and you run for, you run for 200 yards and you, and you do what you can. But an anonymous coach in July – I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that does. I don't think that does anything. I don't think Zeke's gonna be more motivated now. I, I don't. Was Madden just bored? And yeah. Madden, like, look, like Saquon was eighth on the wrong running back. Camaro was tenth in Madden ratings. I mean, stop. They still haven't. Fit. Madden still lives in two thousand six. So they don't know what an edge rusher is or an off ball linebacker is, and that they have. You know, they have. You know, I mean, they guys, like, you get Austin Eckler doing one arm freaking pull ups to show that his power ranking's not twenty one. Yeah, like. <laughs> Come on, man. Okay, come on. I, it's, I, I, it's I get it. You're a little marketing. dude, but you're a little mighty mouse. Like, we get you're powerful. Come on. Also, let me let you in on a not-so-secret secret here. This is Madden marketing. Ever since these new consoles allow you to update the games and update ratings, update features throughout the season, these things like their X factors, their initial ratings, all this other stuff, it's just marketing. They don't want them to be fully accurate right away. They absolutely intend for them not to be fully accurate. That way they can come back in two months and pretend like they've actually done something for the 60 to $80 that you spent on their game, even though they've taken out more features than they've put in since 2012. And they say, oh, look at this big roster update we did. We fixed this issue. You know, we might have, the, we might have a picture of Nebraska's Lamar Jackson for the guy that won the freaking MVP last year in our beta. But don't worry, we're going to fix that by making sure we add a speed point to Philip Lindsay in October. <laughs> so like it, 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 this is all, it's all just like, it's all just marketing BS. It doesn't matter. And if you've ever played these games, you realize that overall doesn't mean that much because it's all about the other ratings and the combinations that they use and all the other stuff. So, but not that I'm, not that I'm bitter. There will I'm never be like, another Tecmo Bowl, Bo Jackson. We can end it right there. Yeah. Uh, you got as passionate as Jamie's going to get, you got it right there. You got, you got it full. That was a Jake rant over Madden. That was a I Jake know. rant over Madden. You even got a New York October, the way he said it. I was like, oh, Jamie's really upset. He's these New Yorkers coming out. I was dying. Uh, I know a lot of people hate on Madden, and it's deserved. I think uh, TDN has been asked many times that we should make a video game, and I'm really starting to think we might have to do it since Madden is really just not not making things happen. But uh, we are going to get into our top 10 list here for wide receivers. If you didn't get to listen to our other wide receiver podcasts or our running back podcasts or our quarterback podcast, you should go back and listen to those. We've had a deep dive into the projections that Jamie has put together. You can check all those out by becoming a premium member. So go to TDN, you can go to the draftnetwork.com and hit be the expert. You can become a TDN premium member by doing that um, or by finding it on any, any one of our Twitter bios. It's a, it's, it's a great experience and Jamie's been doing an awesome job. So let's start off with number 10 on Jamie's list. A guy who had a tough season last year with injuries and uh, playing, <laughs> playing with a just a multitude of below average quarterbacks, including one named Doug. So Juju Smith-Schuster is number ten on your list, Jamie. You expect a bounce back year from Juju? Yeah, I'm buying into a full bounce back here. Just looking at his numbers since the time he caught his first NFL pass to the last pass Ben Roethlisberger threw last season. He's averaging almost 80 receiving yards a game. I mean, that is a 1,260-yard pace. Uh, I think he's going to actually 
play more in the slot this year than I think he was going to at points last year. I think that was a big thing we talked about last offseason or whether or not how much of the role is he going to play in the slot. He's going to have to play outside now. He also comes back to a team with two other receivers that have progressed since the last time he was on the field, and Deontay Johnson and James Washington. Now, I think this show as a whole has talked about how we like Deontay Johnson a little bit more than Washington, and I still want to see Washington have chemistry with Roethlisberger because we have not seen that yet because those two did not click a couple years ago. But there are some more weapons there now. You have Eric Ebron. You have Chase Claypool. You have these pieces there that weren't there for Pittsburgh last year. And the biggest piece is is Ben Roethlisberger coming back. So people forgot that it it lost in the whole, you know, Miles Garrett trying to take Mason Rudolph's head off was that Juju suffered a concussion and a knee injury at the same time in that same game. And that just basically sapped anything he had the rest of the season. And as bad as things were, even though you only got two games of Roethlisberger, Mid, at the midpoint of the season, he was still on a 1,000 receiving yard pace. Things fell off late in the year when they started switching out quarterbacks and then Juju got hurt and missed some time. But he was still on a 1,000-yard pace at the midseason point despite everything that happened. I'm expecting a full bounce back from him this year. And we've talked all offseason about how high I am on the Steelers as a whole and particularly what their passing offense is going to look like. I couldn't agree more. He's kind of the forgotten guy. He's now the one. I mean, I think a lot of people point to and they, they, the reason they forget about him is because he's not done it without A.B., He's the guy now. Uh, but you just mentioned a bunch of other weapons. I mean, if they're going to go shotgun and sling it like I think they are, you can't just go double juju or they're going to just eat you alive with those other guys. You're going to – I'm not sure how you defend them. You can't really do it with man. I mean, nobody has the personnel to do that. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I expect a full bounce back year. I, I love where you have him. I think he's, he's one of the, my top bounce back guys. I think you're going to get a lot of value other than the name is really cool. So people are going to recognize it when they start seeing it bounce around on drafts. I still think people are going to go, eh, no, he's not the same dude without AB. And I think you're going to get some really good value in your drafts. So I love where you have him. Where's his ADP, Jamie? It's, it's interesting because I, I, I can see him being like a 15, 16 guy when he shouldn't be. He's going a little later. I'm trying to find his exact ADP now, but I think at last check, I think he was going around 13 among wide okay. receivers, so he's a little bit lower than uh, where I, I have I'd be, him. I'd be, re- I'd be really happy to get him at 13. Absolutely. I, know that. I think he's cemented himself as a wide receiver one. And we talked about everybody's – the Pittsburgh Steelers have flown under the radar this whole offseason. 12, right? sorry. Yeah, 12. Yeah. So I think, you know, that rounds out a, a wide receiver one, and you got to feel pretty comfortable about getting him there. I can see him having bigger numbers than Amari Cooper. I can see him having bigger numbers than Adam Thielen for sure. Yep. yep. I, he, he's a better, more well-rounded player, and I think he's going to get really, really good quarterback play. So I, I like where you have him. All right, moving on to number nine, uh, part of the official TDN Fantasy Fan Club. Okay, we have we have many. We're going to start. I, I I ordered something. You guys don't know what it is yet, but it's coming, and we're going to start. We're going to start keeping tabs on all these guys that there's basically man crushes happening uh, between Jamie Jake on on certain players. So Cooper Cup is one of those guys. Jamie's always been high on. Uh, Jared Goff looks like a completely different quarterback when Cooper Cup is on the field. Uh, Jamie, what what is your outlook on Cooper Cup this year? Because when he's healthy, he's very effective. Yeah, he's very effective, and he's actually one of the best red zone receivers in the league, and nobody talks about it. I mean, he's an absolute beast in the red zone. The, the Goff goes to him a ton, uh, caught 10 touchdowns last year. So he kind of had a tale of two halves, and I think this is why a lot of people are maybe afraid of spending wide receiver one value on him. You know, he had 58 catches for 792 yards and five touchdowns before the bye. 
comes out, was targeted less, caught only 36 passes for 369 yards, still got five touchdowns uh, in the last five games uh, of the season. But look, his floor is high because he's a big touchdown guy. He's going to get targeted a lot. I know everybody just assumes the Rams are never, are never going to have more than like two wide receivers on the field ever again. But, uh, and this is kind of where the offseason stuff where people have to be understand the difference between an increased usage of personnel versus this is what the team is now. And even if they use more 12 personnel, Cup's not coming off the field a lot. He's not going to be on the field as much as Robert Woods because Woods literally never leaves the field. Like he, he plays a stupid percentage of snaps. But to me, Cup is still going to be a high floor guy. He gets targeted a ton. He gets looked at in the red zone. The Rams are going to have to throw and they're going to throw a lot. This is, they, always, they have always have under Sean McVay. And Cup has been he's been a wide receiver, mid-level wide receiver two at worst. Even going back to the year where he tore his ACL, he was a mid-level wide receiver two before he got hurt. He was a wide receiver nine, I believe, last year. He's a wide receiver nine coming in for me this year. I just love his floor. I, I don't think he's got top five upside because I just the way they run that offense. But to me, this is another option of I feel very safe getting him and knowing that the floor of him getting eight, nine, ten touchdowns is is dramatic when you think about what the equivalent of that is in terms of receiving yards. And how hard that is to do. Because I think that yeah. his floor is like eight or nine touchdowns is insane. I love where you have him. I can't say that I feel like his numbers could be any higher than this because this is pretty up there, 89, 11, 42, and nine, and nine touchdowns. But I also can't say it's going to be a whole lot lower than that. I, I feel this is like one of the safest bets to me. And I go back to what I say about running backs and ACLs all the time. Same things with a guy making a lot of cuts playing receiver, right? He's healthier. He's a couple, he's another you know season removed from that ACL. I think you're going to get an awesome version from him. I, I really do. I love where you have it. Yeah. Cooper cups, a guy I've always enjoyed having on the, on the fantasy roster. He's, he's a reliable option when he's out there. Uh, I've always, I've always thought that and, and, Listen, I, I saw what two years ago when he went down with that ACL, you saw what happened in that offense and, and Jared Goff. It looked significantly different. He's got a lot of chemistry with the quarterback. If Brandon Cooks is gone, you're going to assume that that's going to continue and that that offense will bounce back somewhat, right? I, I don't think we're going to get 2018 exp, you know, explosiveness, but bounce back a little bit. Jake, you also got, got a guy, he, yeah, he sits in quarterback meetings. Yeah, like he's very fun. smart. Very smart. For fun, yeah. Like for fun. Like he goes and sits in the quarterback meeting when he's not in his – like he knows everything going on in the field from a quarterback perspective, which makes him a phenomenal player. Mm -hmm. Tell parents all the time when kids are learning to play football, how do you know how to tackle if you don't know how to run? How do you know how to run and juke somebody if you don't know how to tackle? Like knowing the offense from a quarterback's eyes, when you're out there knowing exactly how to set up a guy, the nuances of playing the slot, setting somebody – and one of the things that makes him so great, but to Jamie's point, one of the things that makes his floor so high is his knowledge. He doesn't have to. And he's a, a, I tell you, the other thing I, I love to talk about with Cooper Cup, I saw him in person from five feet away on the sidelines last year in L.A. Dude is big. Yeah, he's a big yeah. guy. Yeah, he's a big guy. You think of these, like, white slot receivers as, like, Wes Walker. Yeah. He's, le like, legit big dude. He's a big and dude. he doesn't necessarily need – crazy speed or all that with the nuances that he knows from his brain of watching it from a quarterback's perspective, which I love. And I love pointing out that I wish more guys would do. Yeah. He's definitely not Julian Edelman or Wes Welker build. He's, he's a much, he's a bigger dude. That's for sure. All right. Kenny Galladay is next on your list, Jamie. I envision you are looking at this tied a lot to Stafford's health and him being available um, for most of the season. Yeah, look, there's going to be a little bit of touchdown regression. He led the league with 11 receiving touchdowns last year. I don't think that's happening again. But that's honestly, it's quite remarkable considering he played half the season with Jeff Driscoll and David Blau. Yeah. But 
I, I looked at his last 23 games with Matthew Stafford. Uh, and, and in that time, he has 105 catches for a little over 1,700 yards and 12 touchdowns, a little over 22% target share. So I kind of broke it down where, you know, how much I think Stafford's going to throw this year, what that target share looks like, catch percentage, all that. And that's kind of where I got here where, you know, mid-70s in catches, around 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, I think that's a pretty safe bet for him. Uh, and I also think there's room for a potential spike where the Lions throw more. Uh, I think I've been – I wouldn't say I'm overly conservative, but I would say if I had to lean on one side of the aisle, I'm slightly conservative on their passing volume for Detroit this year. I think I have Stafford around 575 throws. Um, you know, if he's going to throw more this year, that's even better news for Kenny Galladay. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, he's not underrated like his other, like his partner at wide receiver that we talked about yesterday, but uh, I, I like him a lot this year. And, and for some reason, I think people are fading him because it, it, so I'm going to go on a slight tangent here for a second. Because this goes back to like the Aaron Jones argument that we've had that we talked about the other day. People like to go, there's going to be touchdown regression. And then they just, that's where their analysis stops. And then they just avoid the player and not understanding that, okay, well, what does touchdown regression look like? What, what, what would that player do? So if Kenny Galladay goes from 11 touchdowns to eight, which I think is reasonable, which is what I have projected, he's still going to be a top 10 wide receiver for you. If Mark Ingram goes from 15 touchdowns to 10, he's still going to be a, a running back too. If Aaron Jones goes from 19 touchdowns to 15, he still ranks as a top five back for me. So your argument can't stop at he's going to score fewer times this year. Okay, so how many, you have to project how many times is that player going to score? What are the other stats look like? And I think sometimes you hear a touchdown regression and everyone goes, oh, well, I'm not drafting that player. Okay, well, good. Thank you. But that doesn't mean that that player is now going to – he's not dropping to zero. If he was going to drop to zero, sure, then we'd have this conversation. But, like, I don't know. It just – I see this argument happen so often on fantasy Twitter where somebody brings up touchdown regression as their only reason why they don't like a player and they don't actually go any deeper to say, well, what, what else is involved in that player? Kenny Golly doesn't need to catch 11 touchdowns to be a wide receiver one this year. If he does, he'll absolutely will be, but he doesn't have to. And that's why I'm sure all these people get tired of me talking about defense when we're talking about a fantasy football show. There's actual game that goes on that's not seven on seven and game flow is drastically dependent on uh, these players are drastically dependent on how the game flow is to their stats. The lions defense sucks. They're going to be losing a lot of games. They're going to throw it a ton. They throw it a ton of Matthew Stafford. Anyway, I don't care that they drafted a running back. I don't care that they have two good running backs. They're going to throw it a ton. And he is the guy Marvin Jones. They're very similar guys. Marvin Jones never developed into what Kenny Galladay has. And that's a legit wide receiver one. I love where you have him. I could see the numbers being bigger than this. I, I mean, to go from 11 to eight and say, you're not going to draft somebody because of that's touchdown regression. That's so, that's so dependent. And so up in there, Julio Jones, what, what, 18 months without a touchdown. Yeah. Are you, you going to take mean, him outside on. your top five or not draft Julio? No. Cause you know, it's stupid. and It's not going to continue. It, it, listen, there's sometimes it's just like outsmarting themselves, right? People are looking at stuff and they're looking for things to kind of jump in on or ride storylines. And that's why as much as, as much as it pains me to give Jamie so much love on this podcast, this is why the projections matter because it's not, it's, it's not just him going off of a random line that he likes or a feeling about, okay, well, just because he had 11, he's going to regress. No, these are, these, these are actual projections with thought and knowledge and looking at extended seasons and what matters and taking health into account to account for. Because when I see stuff like that, I go, okay, sure. You, everybody's going to regress and he's going to regress to like Jamie, you joke, like he's going to regress to zero. 
You're not going to have any touchdowns. So sure. Yeah. That's exactly what will happen. This, and he's this, still damn good. If you're taking his like wide receiver eight, if he has one. Yeah. I, like, we talked about it yesterday, Paige. The Dolphins, the Bengals, the Lions, they got a ton of fantasy relevance because exactly. they're going to have to keep slinging it all over the place. Mm-hmm. And when you're playing with an elite quarterback, which Matthew Stafford is, and people is. forget, yes. that matters. And I think the other point, too, when it comes to these, and that's why I really encourage you to sign up for TDN Premium or if you're already a premium subscriber, to, to check out these projections because, look, I'm not going to pretend like as much as, as – I. I appreciate Jake and, and Paige hyping me up. I'm not going to pretend like these are infallible. These are not perfect. This is not exactly how the season's going to go. But I think the biggest misconception that I'm seeing right now is that if you don't start your personal projections, however you want to make them, by looking at how many times a team throws and how many times a team runs and what the splits are, you're making a mistake. You are then just pulling numbers out of your behind and you have, yeah. and you have nothing to go with it. And, and I think that's why you, you will see there's a consistency among everything, every one of my projections, they match each other. So my, the targets for the top receivers are going to match the target share they are typically getting from the top quarterbacks based on how many times I expect those quarterbacks to throw this year. You have to start there. And this is the big thing of why everybody hates me for my DK Metcalf takes. But because and I understand the argument saying, well, Pete Carroll says he wants to, he's going to use him more as the X receiver and he's going to try to scheme more things to get him open. That, that's, that's great. And maybe he does. But if the Seahawks are throwing 500 times this year, or 516 as I project for Wilson, how many targets do you think he could possibly get in that scenario? If you want to argue me he can, might be more productive per target, sure. that's a reasonable argument I think you can make and we can debate that. But if the idea is going to be, well, he's going to get 120 targets this year. Well, no, he's not because he's not going to have a 30% target share from Russell Wilson unless, unless Tyler Lockett gets hurt. And even then he's probably not going to be that high. So that's where these arguments and these things need to start for you. However you want to do them, however you think about your players, workload matters. Like a guy can't put up – your receiver can't put up fantasy points if he's not getting targeted. You have to figure out how many times it is reasonable to expect the quarterback to look his way based on how often they're going to throw before you can get to these results. And I think that's the biggest thing here that I think people continue to forget of just mm-hmm. – you know, it, it, you're not just projecting yards and touchdowns. You have to project how you get there and how do they get catches? How often do they catch the ball? Some guys have a much better catch rate than others. Some players are getting different quarterback situations. And, and so it just, to me, you have to look at that from the beginning. And Kenny Galladay is somebody that has been, he's been very productive with Matthew Stafford over, over the last 23 games that he's played with him. And you can see what a reasonable touchdown regression for him is, which is around eight touchdowns instead of 11. That, but people just like to say touchdown regression or this or that, and they don't have any context to back it up. Or this team's going to do this more this year. Okay, well, where's the, where the, you, you can break down the logic of whether you believe that my projections for throwing attempts is correct. Like, no, I think X player is going to throw more. Okay, then that's an argument. But if they're only going to throw this many times, not everybody can eat. We talked about this last year with, with Tampa Bay a little bit of you can't have five or six fantasy stars no, all at the same time. It's just, it's not going to happen. Somebody has to get left out at some point or there has to be an injury. And, and I think that this, that part, that element in projecting gets forgotten a lot. And I just think that's why I think this is so important because you can look at these projections and go, okay, I agree with this. I don't agree with this. And here's how I can adjust this for my own league or my own taste or my own opinions. And the same goes with running backs, right? We just talked about yeah. Derrick Henry. We're talking about two down running backs and a team that wants to play good defense, control the clock, play action off of that. If they go three and out to start the game three times, Derrick Henry's max is six carries and you're in four minutes to go in the second quarter. You're looking at 
six carries, eight carries for 21 yards in the first half. Now he might end up, you're playing like the Bucks last year who gave up 71 yards a game, whatever it was, and they played everybody uh, running back wise. You're, you're looking at, okay, I'm going to have 13 carries for 41 yards. And he might save you with a touchdown, but he doesn't play on third down. You have to look at the coaching staff. You have to look at the defense. You have to look at the philosophy of how they want it to go, how they would prefer their game flow to go. Every game is different, of course. But how they're coaching their entire offseason and building that roster around how they want that game flow to be, it's exactly to Jamie's point. It goes to every position. That's why, that's why your numbers are so good because all that is taken into account. You're not going to be that far off. Yeah, 6% here, 4% there, whatever it is. That's not a tangible number at the end of the season. It's football, football thing- IQ, Jake, you're talking yeah. about. Knowing the staffs, knowing the offense, knowing the defense, knowing what things do and not just making guesses off of what well, you want other, to happen. And the other thing goes back to something we talked about on the show dating back to last year of you have to remember this is not what you want or what I want <laughs> to happen. It's what is most likely to happen. And we talked about this extensively when we talked about Kenyon Drake. I'm still pretty high on Kenyon Drake. We talked about him where I've ranked him. But that you have to understand that you are getting – the lo- a low teens amount of carries is what the expectation should be based on the way they run their offense, based on how Chase Edmonds is used. He's not going to get 18 carries a game. And if you think he's going to get 18 carries a game, I mean, that, that, that's great. And you can take him higher, but you're going to likely be disappointed because that's out of character for what we have seen so far. And I think that's the part that, that matters in these rankings. Now, we could disagree about workload and all the other stuff, but you have to kind of take a look at what is happening here and, and be reasonable about it. Because if you're like, okay, well, I think this guy is going to get all these catches and all these targets, you know, as, unless you're Michael Thomas, guys don't get 30% of a target share. Yeah. It, just, it just doesn't happen. So it, you, you can't project that because you're, you're always going to be disappointed with it, even if the player is the best, most talented player in the league. doesn't matter. It's, trust me, Bears fans, you and I can commiserate on this together. The entire David Montgomery argument. I understand that's what we want. Ain't going to happen. Not, not what Matt Nagy's running in the offense. Like, I understand it makes sense. I understand the logically the talent is there. That's not what we're arguing. Understand the coach. Understand the offense. Understand what they do regularly. I get it. I want it too. I think it'd be best for the team. But that's why we uh, collectively are lower than a lot of other people, even in the fantasy community, who I know are homers for the Bears because they can't separate – being a homer from the Bears and what they want to happen from what's actually going to happen in fantasy football. And the last point I want to make on this before we get back to the list is, is again, I'm not pretending that I'm some statistical genius and I'm, and I'm always right. And always right. I'm not, I'm, I'm not. And, I, and I'm going to be wrong plenty. Trust me. And, and I, I hope I'm called out for it. But especially when you're drafting early in drafts, when you're drafting starting level players, you have to ask yourself what is most likely to happen. It's not guaranteed. There's nothing, I I can't guarantee you anything, but what is most likely to happen? What is the most likely scenario? And I I think sometimes we get caught up and I've been, I've been guilty of this as much as anybody of what the best case scenario, what I would love to see if they use this player. Uh, And I think we've seen players like that right now, like Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, for example, it's so easy to get caught up in what the upside is. You kind of, you lose sight of what's most likely and you have to draft, especially early of what's most likely to happen. And if one of those players spikes, great. And you could do what you can do upside late in your draft if you, or your bench or depending on how you, how your team is structured. But early in drafts, you have to go, what is most likely to happen? And if you're always projecting the best case scenario for your players, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Risk versus value. 
So we're going to make some shirts. We got, we got a lot of, we got a yeah. lot of, we got a lot of things that we believe that we got to really just get out to the people. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't the most excited to talk about where Jamie broke out Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. This is what I was most excited for. I wanted to see both of you guys where you had them because as we've discussed, you can't have the whole offense. They're not, not everybody's going to eat, but this is a scenario where two guys can eat. And I wanted to see which one was higher over the other, but man, Tom Brady getting Mike Evans and Chris Godwin this season in that offense is very exciting. So all that said, Mike Evans comes in first, number seven on this list. So that means Chris Godwin is higher uh, ranked than, than Mr. Evans. So I, I kind of want to start a little fun, friendly banter. Hopefully we get Mike Evans and Chris Godwin start talking trash to each other and really, really up in the ante in fantasy football this year. So Jake looks like he has something to say. I, I'm so excited. Jamie, defend yourself because I have a feeling Jake disagrees. I uh, don't so actually, disagree. I don't disagree that, that Mike comes in before we get to Chris. Okay. 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 The only, and, I, and we just talked about how good Jamie's numbers are. So the only thing to really argue here is I think his catch percentage, if his targets are going to be that high, I think his catch percentage is going to be drastically higher than it was a year ago. And, and, I only, and that's where the crux of this is actually. Yeah. Like, that's really the difference is, is catch percentage because of, uh, aside from like 20, 16 or whatever like he hasn't been a high catch percentage guy because um, it was a now, lot of go routes is, it was a lot of stuff that james yeah. doesn't throw the the back shoulder comeback very well I well, think and they asked him to run more difficult routes right the biggest thing now is tom brady's accuracy and placement of the ball along with timing and chemistry and yes you can tell me they don't have it because they haven't been out there dude if you've watched any of these workouts from a helicopter the ball placement we've taught it's, it's insane uh, hearing some of the players talking to some of the coaches, like you better have your steps on perfect. You better get your head around or the ball's going through the middle of your sternum. It's always where you want it. And I think that matters to Mike. You go back and watch every game that I watched last year. There's a lot of these with a guy on him on a comeback. You can't see me, but I'm reaching away from the middle of my chest or my face, right? That to me, the catch percentage, if he's going to be 122 target guy, I have him at more catches, which means more yards, and I think maybe more touchdowns in the red zone. So I, I don't disagree that I got Chris higher, but I got Mike as having a, a monster year, and I, I just think that percentage alone is going to be different. Yeah, so right now I have him projected for uh, 68 catches over 15 games. So I know it feels a little low, um, and, and I am interested to see that because that is his catch percentage has been a little volatile, and it's again, he has a new quarterback this year. So that, that makes this projection a little bit harder to make because you're, you're dealing with a completely different style of quarterback than you, you were playing before or playing with before. So I, I'm really excited to see that. He's actually one spot higher uh, than the ADP. I think he's wide receiver eight in ADP right now uh, with Kenny Galladay going above him. But uh, again, I, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's no negative uh, to say about Mike Evans. He, he's gonna. He's gonna be alone as in term. He's gonna pass Randy Moss and be alone for most thousand yard rece- receiving seasons to begin a career. Uh, after this year, he's gonna get his touchdowns. Uh, to me, I guess the only the only concern. It's not even a concern. Like we're talking about these top seven guys, and we're not. They're not yeah. really concerns at this point. My only knock, which is what Jake addressed here, is: Do you think there's gonna be a, a significant up, uh, uptick in his catch percentage? Because if you do then he's going to be able – then he might leapfrog the next guy we're talking about on the list. I still can't put him above Chris Godwin or, or, or some of the other guys that are going in the first round of drafts right now, but 
uh, he, he's obviously sensational. Uh, and as long as he's healthy, he's going to put up stupid numbers. Yeah, the only thing else I'll say is running different routes, that back shoulder stuff. When Jameis forced it last year, he forced it to Godwin. They were a little bit easier throws. They were throws he liked more. But Chris comes down with an insane amount of 50-50 balls that don't even yeah. make sense. Is why we all have him a little bit higher. I think Tom could go okay because they have so many weapons. Mike's going to be singled up a lot more. And you're talking about a dude that's like, what, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, yeah, with a seven-foot wingspan. Jameis didn't throw the best, like, jump ball. I can see Tom going, okay, my back foot hits. My first read's not there. I'm not taking this hit or this sack. And he throws it up to, and to Mike. Like, a lot like Johnny Manziel did. If you go back to the Texas A&M days, there's a lot of just throw up, like, and he came down with it. I see more stuff like that that I didn't see last year. And I love where you have him. I wouldn't rank him any higher than that. I just think that that alone adds more than 68 catches. Man, oh, man, we got – it's – we are lucky. We got it's hard to argue Jamie's numbers, man. I know, but we got so many good wide receivers because I'm looking ahead and it's I'm going, crazy. man, I want, I want to be like Mike Evans is top five. And then I'm looking at the guys ahead of him and I'm going, eh, who do I take out of the list? Like, it's – they're all good. They're all great. What Jake said there is the perfect example of, I think, how you should look at my projections of when you're starting to look at things and you want to say, okay, this player doesn't, whatever reason, maybe feels too high, feels too low, or, st- or a particular stat feels too high or too low. That's the kind of analysis you have to have. And, and if you say, okay, but that's what you could do because I'm giving you what I think his target share is. So you can go, okay, if his catch percentage is going to be X amount higher, this is what I believe it's going to be based on my research. You can then adjust everything accordingly and re-rank these players for your league. And, and that's really what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to give you, I'm trying to show my work essentially um, to give you all the tools. And then I have a bunch of different articles up on the DraftNetwork.com, basically showing my work of how I got to these numbers to kind of help you be able to take this information and apply it to your league and take this and go, here's what I'm thinking. Here's my logic behind it. If you want to nitpick or change certain things, and I, and I mean nitpick in a good way and change certain things, you have the tools to then apply it across the board and not just be like, well, I, I think he's going to do more. So I have to kind of come up with a metaphorical point total to add on top of it. I'm giving you all of the pieces to the equation. Uh, and, and again, but to me, there's, um, I, I do think there's a little bit of a gap outside of the top five to down to this next tier a little bit, but um, you know, Evans is going to be great. There's I, I, I can't, I can't make any argument against it. Uh, the bucks are going to be really fun to watch offensively, but I don't think that's exactly a hot take. I can't believe the next guy is the next guy. I know. I was just about to say this. So it, number six on this list, I'm so used to him being one, two, three, right? Like yeah. I, I'm just so used to him being there and I'm looking at the guys ahead of him and I'm going, like I said, really hard to justify because there are so many talented guys. That guy's DeAndre Hopkins and he's obviously, we know, we've talked about that trade, what feels like forever ago, but we talked about it a lot, right? DeAndre Hopkins, new offense, K1's new toy here in the Valley, in the desert, but very motivated, very motivated, very excited. Uh, Lots of excitement here in Arizona to watch him play, but it is strange to look at him at six, Jamie. I got, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. It is strange to look at him at that number. It is, but I think here's where we have to separate the situation from the player. There's obviously he's going to be, he's phenomenal and it's going to be phenomenal. And there's, there's, no reason he should have been traded for the capital he was traded for. The difference is going to be he has averaged more than over the last several seasons, over 170 targets per season. Average. Wow. That's not happening. That's no. not happening in Arizona. They're, they're, Fitzgerald's going to get looks. Kirk's going to get looks. They're not going to quite throw, They're going to throw it a lot, but the way that offense is structured is they're not – Hopkins isn't getting 170 targets this year. 
So we have to kind of look at, okay, where's a more reasonable example? I, I settled in on 135 for him, which still is going to put up damn good numbers. But part of the reason why he was always so high up on that list, and part of the reason why a guy like we'll talk about a little bit, like Julio Jones, is always so high on the list is because of just the, the sheer volume of targets they get in that offense. That's not going to carry over to Arizona this year. You're going to see a significant dip in targets here. Now, 135 targets is still a lot of targets. It's still yeah. going to be one of the best in the league, but he's not going to be leading the league or up in that top one or two like he has been in previous years. So we have to kind of adjust his overall stats accordingly. As far as impact in the offense, is going to be just as big. He's going to be a, an absolute monster. He's going to be over at that 1,100 yards. He's going to flirt with, I think, 90 catches. But you have to understand that I think we're, we're probably getting two fewer targets per game that he was getting in Houston. And I think that's something you have to factor into your rankings, especially when you're going to take a guy like him in the second round. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue any of that. I'd probably feel more comfortable taking him still, even with all of that, than Tyreek Hill ahead of him. I'd probably flip-flop these guys and we'll, we'll get to Tyreek in a minute with four and six, but all that makes sense, man. But he's still the guy, their defense sucks. They're going to throw it a ton. I think Kyler Murray may throw a more accurate ball than Deshaun Watson, um, which kind of goes back to my argument with, with Mike Evans. I think he might have more catchable balls. He catches everything. He's Larry Fitzgerald with a catch radius. Yeah. If it hits his hands, it's, it's coming down. Uh, but I, I can't argue any of those numbers. I mean, maybe he gets to 95 catches. I don't think it matters that much. Uh, but I'd feel safer taking him. When we were talking about value and risk, I was about to say, give me a high floor guy over a high ceiling guy every time, other than maybe three rounds of draft. His floor is so flipping high yeah. that I'm cool with taking away Tyreek's ceiling because I think, I think Nuke's floor is higher than Tyreek Hill's. I agree. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's more consistent um, and just, just overall how you, how you view them. Cause really Tyreek, yeah, is the one, but Travis Kelsey and Travis Kelsey is a hybrid wide receiver tight end in, in that offense. And Tyreek, I mean, we'll, we'll get there. We'll talk about Tyreek. Yeah, I mean, he's getting more well-rounded, but I just, Nuke is maybe the most well-rounded dude. He does everything. Team, so, yeah. He, and they're going to throw it a ton. Yeah. It's uh, listen, it's not when you get to Where's this his ADP, Jamie. Yeah. I was going to ask. Uh, Hopkins is now he is uh, wide receiver three. Okay. That's, so you're not well, getting that. You're still not got getting normal. Value. Yeah. You're yeah, not, so yeah, not getting For the value. most part, he is. Yeah. And right now, on none of the major sites is he going outside the top five. So, yeah. I mean, I, 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 guess, I guess that that's a low ranking for him. But I, I, the, also the other thing you'll realize is, is you'll kind of see you, – I mean, you'll see on the draftnetwork.com on the free side, I have these guys in, in tiers. But you'll kind of see where the natural tiers kind of fall. Where like four, five, six – I mean, if I'm not going to, I don't think there's a huge difference between them uh, yeah. in terms of what you're going to get your final production. There's a difference in how they get there. You know, you're yeah. going to have a high floor guy in Hopkins. You're going to have a high ceiling guy in Tyree Kill. You're the next guy we talk about who is, I think I just need a big shirt with his face on it because I feel like I've been the president of the fan club. For <laughs> I was a about while. to go, dun 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 dun. Uh, yeah, uh, this is, let me set this one up. Yeah, go uh, ahead. Go ahead, Jamie. It's Chris Godwin. Yeah. It's Chris Godwin, number five. Uh, Trevor Sikkim wrote a great article about why he was actually the most complete receiver in football in 2019 and broke down some of the, some of the great things that he did last year completely really emerged. And Oh, by the way, you know, it just so happens that they got an upgraded quarterback and for, and I hear that he likes good slot receivers and this is going to be the most talented slot receiver he's ever had to throw to with all due respect to Edelman, with all due respect to Wes Welker, with all due respect to all those guys, yeah. they're not Chris Godwin that Chris Godwin athletically is in another world. 
and I expect a, a, an amazing season from him. He's going to get a ton of targets. Uh, I, I think he's, he's going to flirt with 1,300 receiving yards. He's going to score. This is one of those ones where if you look at all my rankings as a whole, I feel like I'm fairly conservative on like Ronald Jones, on Rob Gronkowski, because I think that the production levels that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin can reach can both be elite at the same time, just like they were last year. Uh, and I think that's where we start talking about where you don't, you, you have to take away a little bit from somewhere else. You know, I'm not taking away from Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, I, I expect monster seasons from them both. Um, to me, I think Godwin is a guy that I would probably take on the turn, maybe not at 12, but maybe 13, uh, right on the turn there in, in a PPR league, especially if I get a running back there. Uh, I, I have nothing but good things to say about him. He had a monster year last year, should only improve this year. Uh, his target share is going to be high volume. He's going to always be open. He's, you're not going to be able to double him. There's just, you're not going to be able to double. I don't, know who, I don't know who the hell you double on that offense if you even can. Um, I just, nothing but excitement. He lived, he had major high expectations last year and somehow surpassed them. He's going to live up to the extremely high expectations again this year if he's healthy. It's amazing we were talking about him, man. If you can get him in the, the third or fourth round last year, you'd be, you'd be set. Now he's number five. You can't argue it. I mean, the only thing is I think his, his catch percentage might be higher than this too. Um, he's just so damn good. And people, the, the thing with, with Chris Scott, people keep talking about like he's going to go outside. He's been a slot guy his whole, his whole career. He's just big. Yeah. He's phenomenal. Uh, I mean, when dad got there, he told him, look, Larry Fitzgerald, I told him you're going to get 100 catches a year. Go do the dirty work. We're going to put you in motion. You're going to block. He will block his ass off. That's why he was yeah. one of the most well-rounded guys in the league. And it pays off. And a guy like Tom Brady is going to appreciate that immensely. I mean, I, I just expect it's hundred percent health related and he pulled a hamstring late in the year last year, but so what, that that's not a health issue yeah. is, is him not giving you these numbers. And no. he's not playing on the outside. The only reason, the only reason he was even experimenting there briefly a couple of years ago is because Adam Humphreys was still on the roster. Like it's a different yeah. coaching staff. Humphreys isn't there. Like there he's and he playing, hadn't developed he's into this guy yet. No. Right. I mean, he started to, cause you were all, all about him going three seasons ago. Like his potential, he had a, he was a touchdown yeah. guy. He was a red zone guy, but playing in the slot. Now he's developed into an absolute star. And I'm glad Jamie brought it up because I thought to myself, man, Tom loves guys like this, right? You look at Julian Edelman and Wes Welker, and like you said, with all due respect, this guy athletically is a freak. Like another level that I am – I am so excited to – that's why I was mostly excited to see where you had those two guys ranked because it's like, man, how, how do you, you – you're so, you're so just like looking to split hairs when you're talking about Mike freaking Evans and Chris Godwin. Like they're both so talented and so good and have such – like they're – and that's why I was like, oh, I want to see where these guys have them ranked. And they're very close, right? It's five and seven. It's not – How does not, anybody not have them not as the best pair in football? They're it's not five a, and seven yeah. on this – the other guy, Julio, is is up there, and Calvin Ridley's like seventeen. Like there, there's other good pairs. No, they're yeah. no, they're, they're the best. Close. They're, it's not they're the best. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's them, and then like you look at Julio and Calvin, oh, and Calvin. you look at Woods and and Cup. Um, you look at so okay, and, and then it's but it's no, it's very clearly no. Godwin and, and Evans. And by the way, the gap between them is a lot closer if you play in standard leagues. Um, just you get the volume that that Godwin's going to get is definitely pushes him into the top five for me, which makes him the clear choice over Evans. But it is yeah. closer. Uh, and if for those of you that are still playing in standard leagues. All right. We tease the next guy a little bit because Jake has them flipped. Uh, number four, Tyree Kill. So, Jamie, obviously you talk about this one since Jake kind of already said he, he has him, you know, splitting hairs. We're at the top guys, but has, uh, has him and, and um, DeAndre flipped here. 
Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, this is this is an upside play. Um, this is uh, I wrote an article, actually, a full a full thing breaking down like my thought process for the DraftNetwork.com. You, you can it's it's titled uh, "What Does Tyreek Hill Have in Store for 2020?" It, it's kind of looking at you know the 26 games that he and Mahomes have played, where Mahomes has started and finished healthy, and Tyreek Hill has been healthy. Uh, and he has 133 catches for more than 2,100 yards and 18 touchdowns, a 23.1% target share. He's going to get targeted a lot. The issue for him is going to be health. Um, he's going to be a little boomer bust, and that, that's the nature of the type of receiver he is. But he's, it's health, and it's something that you have to consider. I, I have him down for 15 games, but I understand if somebody looks at it and says, that's maybe a little conservative. It should be 13 or 14. And if you, and if you believe that, then, yeah, he's going to drop back down a couple spots like where Jake has him. But when he plays and when he, and he's going to be a monster uh, and he's played when he and Mahomes are on the field at the same time and both healthy, they have put up stupid good numbers. I think he's going to be a double digit touchdown guy. Uh, I think he's going to, you know, he's not going to be a super high receptions guy because that's not his nature, but he can flirt with 12, 1300 yards, even in, even with missing a game. Um, you know, he's somebody I'm very interested in, but understand there's a little bit more, there's a lot more risk with him than any of the guys that we talked about in the last like handful of picks. Pretty much anybody else we talked about, aside from maybe Juju, just because he got hurt last year, there's nobody else that has the same sort of injury risk that Tyreek Hill has that we've talked about today. Yep. And that's what Jake talked about, right? That's why he had him a little flipped. But you obviously, you know what he can do. You obviously know what Mahomes can do. And you know what this offense can look like. There's obviously a lot of excitement. And I know a lot of Chiefs fans that are having uh, just unbelievably unrealistic expectations for how, how, what his season is going to look like, but God bless him. Listen, I get it. You're how could you not have unrealistic expectations when you have freaking Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback for the next foreseeable long future uh, and, and be excited about Tyree kill. We've reached the top three guys. These guys are all, this is the elite, right? And, and I think the funny thing here is that the last guys are all in that category too, right? Like I'm looking at, at top, that's why I said that top seven, right? Whereas we talk about running backs and it's like, okay, there's these three guys or these two guys. And then a big drop, like there's a big chunk of elite top tier wide receivers. Seven is a big number, right? Like Mike Evans at seven is seems ridiculous, but number three on this list with 163 targets, Jamie, when I look at that number, I go, my God, but that's, that's why these guys are up here. And that is Julio Jones. Yeah. And if you look, actually, there's that's another one that's in a full article on the draftnetwork.com. And I break down, there's a 46 game sample size I use with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones to get to these numbers. And you can kind of see how I break it down, how I got to this high level of targets. Uh, look, this is a guy that I have, I projected to have him lead the league in receiving this year. Uh, if he plays a full season, he's going to lead the league in receiving. I have him north of 1,500 yards. I explain how I got that there. He's led the league in receiving two of the last five years, led in receiving yards per game in three of the last five. Um, you know, look, He's somebody that when he's on the field, he's just absolutely dominant. Matt Ryan is going to throw a ball a ton. We talked about this with Calvin Ridley. This is a 600-pass attempt team. Uh, he's going to target Julio Jones on a very high percentage of them, and I encourage you to go find that article where I break every single piece of the stat down. And look, if, if he's healthy, he's going to put up numbers, and he's been healthy for the most part for the last several seasons. And those touchdown woes that we mentioned earlier that were extremely strange are gone now. You know, he's not going to be a double-digit touchdown guy, but uh, Calvin Ridley's – I would imagine Calvin Ridley's going to have more pa uh, passing – touch, or excuse me, receiving touchdowns than, than Julio Jones has, and I project him to have that as well. But he's not going to kill you in that area either, have him around a half dozen. Uh, I'm a huge fan of him just going to get a ton of workload and always is productive with that workload that he gets. So unless Matt Ryan or him get, get hurt, I expect huge numbers in another top five fantasy season, if not better. 
what the hell else is there to say about Julio Jones? Other yeah. than like, if you want, you want to watch some crazy stuff, go YouTube uh, and Joku and Julio Jones is seven foot high jumpers in high school. And, and just watch the athleticism jump off the screen. It's absolutely nuts. He's always played to that. I, you can't defend him. They double him. They do all this. And he still gets these numbers. There's nothing you can say other than maybe there's another touchdown drought. But why would you guess that? I mean, their defense yeah. is awful. They're going to have to throw it a ton to keep up, keep pace in this division. And he's the best receiver in football. We got other guys ranked ahead of him. But you take the whole body of what he is. He's the best receiver in football, and he's going to prove it again. Julio, can you share some athleticism with the rest of us, man? Like, what in the hell? Like, I the long like that is so dumb. Him and I believe Joker. it was I believe it was Foley Foley Alabama Foley High School. I'm Google, gonna look at you. Better believe Google I'm looking Julio that up. State Championship High Jump. Listen, I love watching him be in the red zone. Like, I love watching the one. I love he's just he's unbelievable. And the, and the next guy is too. The only thing I was going to mention here is Jamie is obviously the injury from last season with Devontae Adams, who Jamie has as number two. But there is no one else in Green Bay that is going to fight for the targets because the Green Bay Packers decided that they were going to ignore that they needed more wide receivers. So this is – there is no question. Devontae is the number one guy. Yes, the injury happened last season, but you know what Rodgers and, and Adams do together. So when you factor this in, Jamie, you have him playing one less game. How much of a concern is that injury? It's a concern enough for me not to put him number one as much as I really, really wanted to. Uh, he's not underrated in fantasy circles, but I think he's underrated in NFL circles because of the time that he has missed. If you look at his per game numbers the last couple seasons, they are unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, if he could stay on the field, like if, we, if you told me right now that we're getting 16, you can guarantee me 16 games of Devontae Adams, I'm taking him in the top half of the first round as my wide receiver one over Michael Thomas. But I, I, can't, I can't quite do that right now just because I, I have to factor in that. I factor in one missed game, but I have to factor in that there's been some more and that there's a chance he misses multiple games. But to your point, there is nobody else there. There hasn't been anybody else there. So it's not going to affect him any more this year than it did last year when they had all of nobody else there. He's going to get a ton of targets. He's a, a touchdown monster. He's going to be over 100 receptions. Like to me, it's just the only question mark you have when you take Adams of is you got to be a, you're afraid that you might only get 13 or 14 games. That that that's the concern that you have when you take him. Otherwise, I think on right now on a per game basis, I haven't projected to, have to score the most fancy points of any wide receiver. It's hard to argue. I mean, I wanted to put him one as well. Uh, I believe Michael Thomas is going to be defended differently. I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to take up some of that slack in New Orleans. I think people are going to defend them differently with Drew Brees. But Devonta Adams is not the case. He still has the most elite thrower in football as his quarterback. I'm still going to put him there with Patrick Mahomes. There's nothing Patrick Mahomes can do that Aaron Rodgers can't do. Yep. Uh, Devonta Adams is the beneficiary of that, and he's turned into an absolute superstar. Uh, there's a great – I saw a, a nice little uh, thing this morning. Jamie, answer me this. Which one of these receivers has never had a 10-touchdown season? Michael, Michael Thomas. Thomas. Huh? Michael, yeah, Michael, Michael Thomas, Thomas is the answer. Because <laughs> he, gets, he gets nine every year. Except for it, the one year, like six. Like, yeah, he gets like nine exactly every year. <laughs> Who are the other people on the list, though, out of curiosity? It was Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Kenny Galladay. Oh, you know people would go Calvin Ridley and Kenny Galladay way before they would say Michael Thomas. Right, but that's dead wrong. Ridley did his rookie year, and Galladay led the NFL in receiving touchdowns last year. Yeah, It's Michael Thomas. It's kind of crazy. He's number one on your list. You can't really argue a whole lot of it. 
you know, the crazy thing here is 150 targets, 117 catches. There's a bunch of like eight yard curls. Yeah. Six yard curl. He's almost a possession guy that has more ability than that. Like I was really high on him breaking out a few years ago. and was kind of right. I had him like three where everybody else had like nine or 10, but like, it's still the same guy. I just, I think they have to go somewhere else. Some, I still got him number one. I think the targets are there. There's a super high catch percentage. Um, but if they're going to win games against some of the teams they got to play, Emmanuel Sanders has to be good and he has to take yes. some of those targets away. And Drew Brees has to be live enough with his arm to be able to do it. But I think Mike's still going to have that 10, 12 target catches for, you know, that it adds up. If it's, you know, if you have eight curls in a game and they're all, you know, if they're all eight yard, eight or 10 yards, you're having a damn good game. Yeah. And absolutely. it's hard to argue. That's really, he's just like the definition of dink and dunk superstar compared to Julio Jones. Who's, this high flying, whatever else. He's safe. And I think that, that that's what it is. And, and to me, I, I looked at this season and I looked at it I, and I've said this before. I wrote a whole article about it, but look at his 2018 season as a, a comp for this year. Like he's not, he's not going to, he's not going to do what he did last year. It was a historic season. The floor season is so high. He doesn't need a ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and, and again, but even, but keep in mind, the one factor to keep in mind there is even as good as he was that 2018 season, we weren't drafting him as the wide receiver one last year. No. So again, you're taking him as the wide receiver one. I'm not taking him at three. I'm not taking him at four. I can be talked into it at five. Um, just because as long as Dalvin Cook is all now, I can definitely be talked. I can be talked into it at five, but he's going like third in drafts more often than Ooh. not. I, I just, I can't, I can't do it. No. I can't, you basically need him to do last season over again to make it worth it. Like no, the, not and, as, and I can't see that happening. Again, what's most likely to happen? Man, running back is thin. I know. And that's we, the go other back thing. to yesterday's show where, where you can get TY, where that's you can get I'm some saying, of these guys. Like, like there's no way you can reach for as, that. It's, as much crazy. as you as much as you love having him on your team. He's not like like we said, as much as you love having him, you gotta look at the list. Go back and listen to the running back podcast because the drop-off is much more significant guys and that's why we were talking about yesterday where i was looking at it and i was going man i sure would like having keenan allen and ty hilton as my two wide receivers and especially where they are i might go running back running back and then all of a sudden turn around and like depending on what draft you're in and how it falls and all that stuff the, the wide receiver position has depth not the same everywhere else so this is going to be a little tease for everybody for the draftnetwork.com for the next two Fridays. We're starting our fantasy Friday series of mock drafts tomorrow. So yeah. it'll be on the 17th if you're listening to this on a different day. So we're going to, I'll have a first round and it's basically tomorrow's is the first edition. It's going to be a mix between my picks and what the fantasy pros AI would pick. So we're going to, I'm going to okay. control uh, one half of the teams. Uh, the AI is going to control the other half of the team and we're going to do a first round mock. The following Friday on the 24th, I'm going to do a three round mock how I would do drafts. And I will tell you this, you're going to kind of see what happens when you do go wide receiver, wide receiver, or you go wide receiver, tight end, or when you want to take a quarterback in the third round. And you can kind of see how those teams will play out. So those are going to be really good resources for you. They'll be available for everybody uh, on the draftnetwork.com for free each of the next Fridays. And, and, and there'll be a lot of other subsequent mock drafts done Fridays all the way leading up to the start of the regular season. So I encourage you to check that out and kind of see how this goes because, you know, I was in a situation where, I, I literally took it. I didn't look ahead. I, I drafted the guys I wanted to draft, and then I drafted again based on what I, players I've already picked. And you might find it's very easy to get yourself in a pickle uh, if you get a little, a little aggressive early in drafts or somebody reaches for a play, a running back here that you thought he was going to get to you. 
it can get really interesting. So it's good information to have for you uh, leading into your drafts. Love that we're starting Fantasy Fridays. If you're a, if you're a draft network uh, junkie and you've been around for a long time, you know we love Mock Draft Mondays. Mock Draft Mondays are – we live for it. We love them so much that last year we dropped Mock Drafts at midnight, sun, 9 o'clock if you're a West Coast person like we are, okay? You're Sunday night, you're watching Sunday night football, and then all of a sudden you're going – Ooh, I got a new mock draft to look at. That's why we're, we're taking what we do mock draft Monday. We're going to do a lot of great stuff on fantasy Fridays. Very excited for that. Jamie, glad you, glad you mentioned it. And today's pod was fun. I love talking about these top guys and I love, I love the quotes that I'm writing down as you guys are going on. Jake, the floor is so high. He doesn't need a ceiling. Put it on a, put it on a shirt, sell it for Michael Thomas. We'll take, take our mic. We'll, t- we'll take, we'll take 25% Mike. Okay, we'll give you the rest. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll develop the shirts. It's a great quote. I'm, I'm definitely teasing that one. And don't worry, people. I have taken the video for those who listened to the podcast earlier this week and saw on Twitter that I teased. I was going to put out Jake's T.Y. Hilton dance. You bet your ass I edited that video and I got it down. So you guys can all see what we see, the T.Y. dance. Uh, because this is the, now officially, I said, I'm just, I have a, I'm going to have a wall of man crushes for you guys. You guys are just going to keep on Chris Godwin over here for Jamie. You know, we've got Carson Wentz for, for, for Jake. We got a couple other ones. We're just going to keep, keep tabs throughout the season. Right. And then there's going to be pages hate list because you guys have crushes and I got the hate list. Okay. Betty page. Betty page. And it goes, dates back to Eddie Lacy so long ago, and it's still burned so strong that I'm going to put Eddie Lacy's damn name on that list, even though he hasn't been playing football in a long time. <laughs> it's still so strong. His ass is going on the list. So Jamie, I got a question. I got a question for you. Cause I haven't jumped in the you know, last year. I had my knee replaced. So I did like 87,000 mock drafts a day. That's all, all I did. I haven't, I haven't jumped in this year, but as we're talking about this, the more my head is going, okay, I go Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs. I could go crazy, go Travis Kelsey in the third round or Kittle and still end up with T.Y. Hilton and, and Keen Allen as yeah. my receiver. Yeah, yeah you a, can. Like, Hilton's going like early fifth. So, like, I, I got to figure out where my asterisks are, where you want to get crazy. If you want to go do a Travis Kelsey in the third, not in the second, but if you went super production at running back, running back, high floor, safe, take a little risk. You're, the receivers are so deep in the fourth and fifth round. You're still getting number ones on their team mm-hmm. with monster production that we went through yesterday. Instead of going, okay, I'm going Michael Thomas and I'm taking Mike Evans. There's no more running backs left. Now, yeah. now, you're, now you're risking guys that are really what you were hoping for in your flex. To me, round three, is, especially if you go running back, running back, round three is that round because most of the tight ends are going to be off the board in the second, I'd imagine. And it may be the quarterbacks, but – you know, depending on what league you're in, you might have Kittle or Kelsey or Mahomes or Lamar available for you with that third pick, particularly if you're picky at the top of the draft. Like if you get McCaffrey or Saquon and you come back with another running back, you might have a very good opportunity at one of those guys. And you go, you know, I can kind of wait and get the T.Y. Hilton. I can wait and get the, the, the high floor Robert Woods that we talked about or, you know, go a few of those guys that like, you know, Marvin Jones and Devontae Parker who are going outside the top 25 right now. And say, you know, I'm fine with those guys being my wife, you know, just basically loading up on three wide receiver twos, for example, and say, you know what, screw it. I'm going to take a chance on Lamar. I'm going to take a chance on, on George Kittle or somebody like that. That's when it gets really interesting. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, I I just think you're, it'll it'll be really interesting. I'll start doing it too, but you're you're kind of crazy if you're just going off of hype and name on those first couple of rounds and you're dead. And I'll give you my final thoughts page now as well. We're talking about this. 
I've won one fantasy championship and, he, and I've played for like what, five years now. I was late yeah. to the game, yep. but I win a ton of games. What I learned when Dr. Roto beat me in the finals in our, in our league a couple years ago is I win a ton of regular season games because risk versus value wins a lot of games. I don't know that it wins championships. So I got to find out what I was just talking about. Where are my rounds that I want to risk? Because when we get later in the year, those Tyreek Hills win you championships and Nuke Hopkins get you to championships. I got I to figure out how to get over the hump because I'm always there. I'm in the semifinals or finals every year, yep. win the regular season title, but that don't win you nothing. That doesn't even get your bragging rights because then you got to go, oh, damn, I had a great season and lost. But that's, that's where that – there's got to be a mix of that little bit of no risk it, no biscuit. Throw it in there with your guys because it can't just be all risk and value. No, um, listen, I'm with you. There's, there's, there, the reality is there is a <laughs> – there's a fine balance between what you need to do, right? What you need to do to get yourself there. And like, it's a safe play, right? You always want to go with the value. The best thing that I've seen work is deciding what position you're willing to take a little bit of a risk on and, and going for it. Cause if you go risky across the, if you, if you start going, I'm going to risk in a wide receiver and a risk, a risk in a running back and decide some person that you're willing to go in for this year, right? If you think, if you think Mike Evans, when you look at that target share and you go, you know what? I think with those targets, he's going to be in the top three. If you have that feeling, you can go with the guy that you're like, okay, I feel this about this player that everybody else is a little bit off on. Now don't go find some guy that's at 32 and think he's going to end up at one. Okay. That's not what I'm saying. Find something reasonable to be a little bit more risky on that you can dive into. I think like the last point I want to make is that you have to think about this as as simple as it sounds, a season long game, not a draft game. And what I mean by that is think about, especially if you've played multiple years, what has been available for you on the waiver wire early in the middle of the seasons, what types of players, what types of upside has been available for you to get. And you've, and you'll see that it matches with the same things we're talking about scarcity. Now you're able to find startable wide receivers on your waiver wire almost every single week, some better than others. Sometimes you can find the, the Parkers or Charks early in the season, but more often than not, you're finding the Anthony Millers, the Russell Gages, the Cole Beasley's, the Hunter Renfro's that are able, you're able to stick in. If you play in a three wide receiver league or in a multi-flex league, kind of throw in there as your last starter and get going. How many RB twos do you find? How many running backs do you feel comfortable playing in a flex spot? It usually takes a major injury, doesn't it? So that tells you where you can be more risky and that if you're a little bit weaker at wide receiver, doesn't guarantee you anything. doesn't mean you ignore it, but it's easier to fix your wide receiver woes more likely than not than it is to fix running back woes. And keep that in mind as you're drafting early or as you're trying to use it as a tiebreaker between two players early in your drafts. Yep. Hey, Paige, I will say, I, I, just, I, just, I just said I see in the third round. That's, that's my risk. That's not really risky taking one of those two. Not yeah. that you're talking about. It's not really risky taking them in the third. That's actually great value from their ADP if they drop that far. But to me, that's, that's a risky round to not still go high floor safe because that still wins you a ton of games. And look, at the end of the day, you got to get in the playoffs to win it. Yep. You got to make it to the dance. And trust me, I have a lot of friends who get their ass whooped every year and would love to just be elevating to the I'm in contention every year category, right? So it's, there's, no, there's no secret formula that works for everybody. There's also, you know, just, just do the homework. That's the only thing that you can, that you can do that's going to be helpful each and every year is start listening to the podcast, 
none of y'all should be doing anything anyways. Let's be honest. You should be staying at home, relaxing, working out, getting, reading some books, working and getting healthy. And the, be- the best, next best thing you could do is listen to the podcast, start reading the rankings and prepare yourself for football. Okay. Because that's, we all want it. So this is your reminder to wear your damn mask. I'm going to start just yelling that at the end of every podcast, because if I don't get football, I'm going to just blame everybody that didn't wear a damn mask. I just want you to be prepared for it because I'm going to yell it. Talking to you, Karen. Yeah. Talking to you, Karen. All right. I've seen enough of your videos on social media yelling about a bunch of shit. No more. I'm going to turn into a psycho on here and y'all are going to be calling me Karen because I'm going to be yelling at all of you. Okay. Had enough. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? All your Karen comments at Jamie I <laughs> on Twitter. Jake B. Arians on Twitter. And you can follow me, as Jake mentioned, at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. <laughs> Please send all your Karen comments to Jamie Eisner. I can't wait to read those. Uh, and please follow me on social media at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. Follow the show at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter. And be sure to check everything out that we talked about today on the draftnetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.